It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser, the day I was born Welcome back, folks. It's another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. My name's KP Burke. I'm a stand-up comic and uh, apparently a roofer in uh, New Jersey, in the New York area here. And each week, uh, me and my dilf of a dad say hello, dad. Hey, hello, dad. Say fair. Oh, hack. Hack, hack. Hack joke. Hack joke. <laughs> but, well, uh, we get to start them out right. We do, man. We do. We're here. Uh, we're doing uh, weird stories from American history like we always do. We got a, if you're a first time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, you goddamn right you are. All right. This is uh, absolutely the pride and joy of what we do every week. And uh, because uh, my self-esteem is so low, I can't just come in here and start shooting the shit, doing like some sort of a, a cool podcast where we just talk about current events. I have to sit down and write a term paper, which in turn means my father has to sit Homework. down and write a term paper. Homework. So, but we love American history, man. Behind the ones and twos, we're a little too early today. We're cutting into Saturday morning cartoons for the Kahuna, so he is not here with us instead. Yeah, yeah. This Merciless. Is prime, this is prime time cartoon uh, time for for the Kahuna Saturday morning. Come on. Merciless Ming Chen behind the ones and twos for us. What's up, everybody? Always an honor to be here with you, gentlemen. Always. Appreciate you, man. And uh, my father and I are pretty impressed right now because- uh, Oh, baby. Yeah, we're in a different building. So we still are at a Shared Universe podcast studio where Mike and Ming take great care of us, but we're not in Eaton Town, baby. We moved on up. We're in no, Homedale now. We're, we're in, I'm not sure I'm allowed in this place. Yeah, we're losing some phone numbers, all right? Get on our level. <laughs> this place is unbelievable, Ming. Uh, yeah, and, and I wasn't hiding it from you guys or anything. Like, you guys full, <laughs> yeah, full we're not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I could have advertised it and marketed it better. But uh, welcome to Bellworks, everybody. Don't know if we're going back to Eaton Town, folks. It's that nice. Please yeah. come check them out over here. What a cool place this is. So, I got. Uh, I'm excited about this one here. This is a pretty good one. Um, Ming, did you have uh, siblings growing up? Uh, yes, I had a younger brother, yes. Younger brother, right. Yes. And, okay, and I have a, my younger sister who, uh, uh, pending parole, will be back out on the streets again. Um, meanest girl in New Jersey. But uh, And Larry Burke, you've got two older brothers, right? Two older brothers, yep. So there's a sibling dynamic. Maybe start for attention or maybe you want, you know, you wanted seconds, but there's not enough to go around <laughs> the dinner right. plate that there night. There was a, a dueling for that last pork chop. Yeah, man. So it, it's a little bit. Uh, so I think everyone in this room understands the concept of, uh, you know, growing up. There's no only children in here. So I'm going to say that today's loser, this thing, this first fact about him probably reveals a lot of what later on becomes his personality traits. Being born the second youngest of 25 children. Yeah. 25. That's, a, that's quite the Thanksgiving uh, sit down, right? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I get annoyed sometimes at, uh, at, at you know, Burkefest or at uh, Cousin Megan's house on Christmas. Day. like, too many yeah. goddamn people in here. <laughs> but uh, it's nuts. One of 25 children, the yeah. second youngest, mind you, is going to be a... 25 children, and Papa was a rolling stone for sure on that one. Yeah, he was. I, I believe what the numbers were, it was something like 12 of the kids were from a first marriage, and then the rest of them were from the second marriage, 
where he met and this the guy's father who let's by the way let's just cover who we're talking about you guys already know if you're listening um if you're a regular fan of the show too you would know that uh, our patreon exclusives are coming out at the end of the month for just as little as three bucks a month you can go ahead and join up the bottom line tier where it does get you the exclusive episode you jump up to the five dollars a month you get to start voting on topics we send you more merch stuff like that very very grateful for all the people over at the founding losers here but this one's going to be one of those free ones and we want you guys to enjoy it. We're not going to skimp on any details here. This is the fantastic true story of Mr. Sonny Liston. So I'm excited about this one. Uh, when you're the second youngest of 25 kids, uh, you're going to be starved for a little bit of attention, whether it's food, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, Do I get to eat today? Yeah. Are the chores getting broken down in a certain way? It, it, it becomes a necessity for survival. Yeah. Why do sure. I have to take the garbage out? Yeah. <laughs> There's 24 other people that could That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Once a month, it's like a reservist weekend. You know, one week <laughs> in right. a month, I have to take the garbage out. But there's a, a lot of speculation here about um, what we know about the legend of Sonny Liston here. He is... I, I knew he was going to be interesting, all right? But uh, I didn't think he was going to be this interesting. So like classic loser fodder here that he is, uh, we're going to start with the day he was born. So he was born, oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like we don't know. Uh, they actually don't know how Sonny, how old Sonny Liston is. There is no record of his birth whatsoever. For official purposes, he claimed to have been born May 8th, 1932, but according to the census, which, of course, is always accurate, no one lies on that, and other sources slash rumors of the time, it is believed that Sonny Liston could have been up to seven years older than his accepted date of birth. Uh, modern scholars and historians and biographers will put Liston as having been possibly more likely one to two years older than the age that he went by. But this remains crazy to think about because it's possible Sonny either hid any knowledge he may have had about his own birth or the guy legit didn't know how old he was. Yeah, um, birth certificates back in the day in, in Arkansas, that was just a, a frill. You really didn't need to have a birth certificate. You're just popping out puppies. As, and obviously, uh, Papa Liston <laughs> popping out 25. Uh, uh, that was a uh, yeah, birth certificate. We'll get, we'll get that, that down the road. No need. Yeah, his father's name was uh, Toby Liston, and he was uh, a much older guy than his mother. So that was a little bit uncommon for the time here, but they did have a huge, large family. And then obviously, when uh, during the time and, and the location, the geography and the, the zeitgeist, if you will, probably wasn't going to be something where the announcement was coming out in the paper that a black family had another kid. Right. Right. So that's just what it was on that you know, particular uh, time frame here. And uh, definitely, we're going to go ahead and just say he was born into a large family. I think when you're in double digits, that's usually a pretty good indicator. Yeah, I think once you go over the nine mark, you're, uh, that's a large family. <laughs> well, he's born uh, uh, originally from Arkansas, as you said, Dad. But now the family's going to wind up relocating to Mississippi. So I don't know what the uh, the aesthetics are with all that. But I will say that it's amusing that uh, yeah, moving on up to Mississippi, is there's not many states you can move on up to there from. But uh when asked about his relationship with his father later on in his life, Sonny Liston is quoted as saying, only thing my old man ever gave me was a beating. <laughs> so, yeah, not ex I don't think they're going to be hosting a podcast together in heaven. Dad. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, his mother and some of his siblings. Oh, by the way, this is another thing worth noting here. Uh, Toby Liston, Sonny's father, gave him such brutal beatings on the regular that Decades later, even when he was obviously we're going to get to what Sonny Liston winds up doing. He's a very, very famous figure in uh, uh, you know, boxing history um, and boxing you do without your shirt on. 
And imagine you're in there, you know, with a guy that you're thinking like, oh, cool, I, I got to figure out a way to beat this guy who's already an intimidating looking guy. Then he turns around on his back. There's still whiplash marks from some of the, the beatings that his father gave him. He's got scars, visible scars that stick around for decades afterwards. I mean, not a warm childhood, I don't think. So um, anyway, so Sonny and him don't really get along. And he realizes that uh, after his mother and some of his siblings have gone to St. Louis, that Sonny's like, I got to get the hell out of here. I can't stand this guy anymore. This is a mistake. I believe he uh, he winds up like uh, just barely being able to scrape together enough money for a railroad ticket and gets out to St. Louis for himself. So there he would attempt to go to school, but he was uh, considered illiterate because he was definitely behind the curve. And this is where that age thing comes in too. What age was he versus what were, you know, what grade would they try to put him in if he can't even tell you when yeah, he was right. born? Right. So, you know, it's all of a sudden he seems like uh, one of those kids on like the, uh, the, the Cuban national team, you know, for, uh, for the Little League <laughs> World little Series. Leagues, yeah. How come this supposed 12-year-old is pitching like a 21-year-old? Yeah. Why is he shaving? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say anything crazy about the Cuban national Little League team, but uh, one of them had to get their prostate checked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but- Anyway, uh, so Sonny Liston winds up showing up uh, over in St. Louis. He winds up dropping out of school. He's getting teased a lot for being illiterate. Um, now, he's a big kid. He's a big kid. Uh, he's known as having one of the most intimidating physiques in all of boxing. I mean, he is a fucking bruiser. Yeah, he's a monster. So what's that going to lend itself to? Well, you know, you're you're getting a hard scrap life, right? You're not really eating much. You know, you're in St. Louis now, which is a city over here, and – Everybody uh, at your school is mocking you for not being able to read. So he's doing a little bit of labor jobs here, but those bosses are fucking him over, you know, giving him shit jobs, trying to be exploitative in their labor use of him. I know a little something about that. Uh, more on that later. But anyway, uh, he winds up turning to a life of crime. And that's right. The future world heavyweight champion would become known as the Yellow Shirt Bandit on account of the yellow shirt that he wore while him and his gang of thugs that he was the leader of, mind you. Okay, so he's not... Uh, if you're judging him by his ability to read, you're going to think he's dumb. But obviously, this guy's a leader of men, and he's figuring out how to get teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Unfortunately, this dream is to do armed robberies and muggings on the streets of St. Louis. So the yellow shirt bandit, he uh, gets himself a little bit of infamy early on. The St. Louis uh, cops are just hunting him. They can't wait to get their hands on him because he's pulling off all these robberies and muggings. And eventually, Sonny gets arrested for the first time in 1950. He gave his age then as 20, but a newspaper reported him as 22. So you see how this one little thing where we don't really know what the story is there. So, well, I'll write this and then, you know, maybe we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, say what you want, guys. That's fake news. They're fucking up. Okay. Right. They're making mistakes. We're not sure of the facts, so we'll just make it up. As we go. There we go. Sentenced to five years at Missouri State Penitentiary, not university. Uh, Sonny Liston never really complained about prison life. This is how you know this is a tough dude. He's like- yeah, it's almost like Demo Dick Marcinko when he said his prison stint was the easiest deployment he ever had. He was his time served, yeah. <laughs> In some ways, it was actually a step up for him poverty-wise. That's how rough the times were back then. Liston was actually, he made sure to mention it too. He goes, well, in prison, you get three meals a day, uh, which is much better than probably what his eating frequency was on the streets of St. Louis. While in prison, the athletic department head, who was also a priest, I mean, what a... You get into the priesthood, you think you're just going to be, you know, conducting mass on a Sunday. But like, no, I'm the athletic director for a prison. I'm coaching up this uh, up and coming boxer. You know, uh, he actually gets. Uh, it, first of all, he exposes Sonny to boxing, and Sonny Liston took to that like a duck to water. Man, uh, the athletic director priest now on his side. 
Sonny gets granted an early parole due to his obvious talent inside the squared circle. In fact, in one of his early exhibition showcase fights where the, the you know, this Catholic priest guy was trying to set it up. I don't know if he was a Catholic priest. I should step that back. This priest slash athletic director set up a fight for Sonny Liston, who was literally a guy in jail, you know, for armed robbery, coming out and showcasing what he can do against a legit professional fighter. The guy's name was Thurman Wilson. Uh, Wilson does not last three rounds against Sonny Liston, stating at the end of the second round, you better get me out of here. He's going to kill me. Yeah. I mean, Sonny Liston was just a, a huge uh, intimidating force. Just to, I mean, just to, to have him to stare you down was, was scary enough. They said his fists, when he made a fist, it was bigger than a softball. So, I mean, <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting punched with a, a softball-sized fist you, and a, a very powerful punch, too, that uh, – uh, later professional boxers would say that he was probably mo- one of the most powerful punchers uh, that they ever came across. There's, uh, we got a couple famous names that are going to vouch for that too, man. Um, like you said, Dad, listen, intimidating as all hell, otherworldly powerful. And from 1952 to 1953, Liston is just straight up dominating the Golden Glove circuit. Earns a reputation as one of the strongest fighters in the sport. Intense, emotionless glare. Right, you were saying that stare down, Dad. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. That's got he's got a little bit of a. Um, there's some uh, the, well, eye, the eye of the tiger or whatever you oh, want to call that. it. He's got that. He'll yeah, he'll, yeah. Cut it. he'll stare right through you, man. It's uh, you know, there's a couple of people that probably were mimicking that, but Sonny Liston's one of the first guys where the idea of psychological warfare was coming in because they would say you'd see a very not cocky but an accomplished fighter who had you know some merit to his. Uh, he, he was no fly by night guy here. But these guys would be coming down to the ring. And when Sonny Liston was in the ring staring at you, waiting for you, you'd watch these guys maybe hesitate a little bit or maybe nervously, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, pussyfoot around getting into the, the ring with the guy. He was that intimidating just as he was. There was no um, I don't think there was any bravado or psychological warfare part of this for him. Everybody just saw him and you naturally got afraid because he had common sense. <laughs> so. It was very obvious to anyone in the know, Sonny Liston is a bad motherfucker, and he's on his way to becoming the most feared man in boxing. Scouting reports on Liston noticed that he lacked hand speed and could probably be vulnerable to a fast puncher, but his out-of-this-world punching power left him in a league of his own. So you want to get in there and try to land a combination on him. If you're fast enough, you can probably land that combination. But are you fast enough to get out of the way before this left jab from hell that he has comes for you? So uh, they always said that about... uh, um, was it Mickey Ward had the right hook from hell that he could hit you with a body shot and score knockouts? Yeah, a straight up left jab from Sonny Liston probably takes your head clean off. So um, people who are going to also vouch for how effective of a left jab that this guy has will include people that have worked with both Mike Tyson and George Foreman. So pretty good company here. But in order to turn pro, that's going to require money. So uh, one of the, the great movies of all time on the waterfront. Right. They talk about, you know, could have been a contender. Yeah. Marlon Brando's trying to do his thing here. But uh, in order to get back to have the money to get into to turn pro in this sport, you know, the sponsorships, you know, Ming knows about getting sponsorships. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Ross Brewing. But but yeah, it's wild to to think about this. But in order to do that, the only people that are willing to touch a guy who's already got a criminal record and looks like he's going to continue to have one. you got to go where uh, the, the dirty money is. You got to go down to the underworld. 
Yeah, if you're going to go put yourself into training and, and, and everything else and to, to get gigs, you're going to have to have some uh, financial backing. And who's going to back an ex-con at this point? Um, although he might be an up-and-comer, he's uh, really not a, uh, you know, a bettable uh, – <laughs> where, where are you getting your money from to back this guy, this, to back this ex-con? Well, My money. I, I, I might have some – I might have some friends that will help you out with that. Which is hilarious because, uh, again, it winds it. Now, here's a, such a thing, uh, too, because we're going to talk about some famous boxing movies later that kind of take parts of certain people's life and you know mix it all up together to make one really good story. And uh, Sonny Liston, I don't think he needs any fiction added to his life because he's just fascinating. One of his quotes was uh, infamous that when he was signing on with these, uh, he's a bruising former criminal himself. Now he's working with the mob pretty much. Because the you know the, the gangsters are kind of saying, well, we got the money, we can make you you know prof, but you got to be uh, you know you got to do what we tell you. And his comment was, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Now, does that mean taking on an opponent that no one else would want to fight? Probably. Does that mean perhaps maybe taking a dive down the road in order to guarantee that the, the bookies make some money? Well, that's uh, a yeah. point of conjecture still. Yeah, but, for much much of uh, Liston's career, his contract. Uh, the majority of his contract was owned by a guy by the name of Frank, uh, Frankie Carbo, who was a one-time uh, mob hitman and a senior member of the Lucchese crime family. So you know, he was he had connections. Frankie Carbone from the back of the meat truck in Goodfellas? <laughs> Carbo, Carbo. <laughs> Carbo, got it. Um, yeah, so he's definitely in bed with the, the wrong folks here. And by the way, it's not just a casual, well, I mean, they, they, they fund me here and I just do my thing. No, he's also working as an enforcer. Uh, and collecting money for them and right. maybe tuning up a guy or two whenever they were right. uh, late on a payment. So, And again, this is an advantage for him early on because that just adds to his uh, the, the fear that's already conjured up by his mere image uh, and his reputation. But then the idea that he's a legit street tough guy too and that you fuck around with him, you might have to answer to uh, you know the, the criminal underworld. Uh, that's going to be a, an assisting measure early on, but definitely to his detriment later in his career. In his debut fight in 1953, Ming, I'll give you one wild guess how this one goes. 1953, his first fight. He's fighting a legit quality opponent here. No more Golden Glove shit. This is a pro fight. Uh, did he win? He <laughs> <laughs> knocks out his opponent in the first round. Wow. Yeah, so that left Jab's doing some work here for him. Sonny will continue to rack up victories uh, against quality opponents until he enters his eighth fight. Now, entering his eighth fight, record is 7-0, and right? Liston's going to fight a journeyman, a journeyman meaning a guy who's, you know, never really thought to be a contender, but he can be a quality, you know, stepping stone or proving ground for a fighter who's on his way to bigger and better things. Definitely Liston would fit that. So Liston's going to fight this guy by the name of Marty Marshall. And uh, Marshall's odd style in the ring, because he apparently had a very awkward stance and he was, he kind of looked, um, it's, I, I guess the, I'll, for a baseball reference, I'll use it here. There's a traditional swing and... Then you'll see stuff like um, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking right now. What's the guy from the Marlins? Uh, Japanese play Ichiro. Okay, the one, he had such an awkward swing that people are like, uh, "Dude, I can't believe it. you need to fix your swing." And he goes, "No, I don't. I'm leading the team in hits right now." <laughs> That's right. So his awkward swing that he had would throw pitchers off too. It was beautiful. So that's kind of the same way as Marty Marshall's guy. His style in the ring, he's apparently so goofy looking while he's fighting that. Uh, Liston actually starts – rumors say that Sonny Liston started laughing at him in the ring. Now, whether that's like a mocking laugh or like a, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. 
So, but while he's laughing, his guard's down a little bit, and boom, Marty Marshall hits him. Winds up getting a decent combination landed on him, uh, breaks his jaw. Liston's jaw. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great if you punch Sonny Liston so hard you break your own jaw. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's believable. He's, no. he's that wild of a dude. Um, Sonny Liston gets his jaw broken and then just finishes the fight, mind you, uh, being the tough bastard that he was. But he will lose via a split decision. Split decision, for those who don't know, in boxing means that the judges did not all agree. Some people thought that Sonny won the fight. Other people thought Marty Marshall won the fight. So following a comeback win, so he's going to fight another guy after this where he just, you know, just goes to town on the dude. Uh, then he gets a rematch with Marshall, and that's going to end in a revenge win for him where he clearly um, makes sure everybody knows this was a fluke kind of a thing. Cleans his clock. Oh, yeah. The uh, the baddest man in boxing is back on a win streak. This is pre-Tyson, pre-Foreman, pre-all these guys, man. This is wild. So... However, that continuing affiliation with the local mobsters and his criminal past, combined with a little bit of local fame now, that's going to bring him a little bit of unwanted attention, Dad. Yeah, by the local authorities, known as the police. Yep. The pl- <laughs> I mean, there's, and there's also, I'm sure there's other people, there's there's rival, you know, gangs kind of a thing. And there's, uh, you know, people trying to hustle them and stuff. So uh, in 1956, Liston's going to have a confrontation with a police officer outside of his home in St. Louis. He would later claim that the officer used racial slurs at him, which, again, I, that's a, a contentious thing, man. I understand people have to, you know, it, that's such a, a hot button issue. But the bottom line here is this. It doesn't matter what the guy said to you when you go back into jail for assaulting the officer. So he's back in jail. Now the news coverage will add more fuel to the fire, uh, which is weird because they, they try to portray Liston as like this uh, mindless thug and everything like that. And that. But they're also telling us like, oh, yeah, and cops were breaking their police batons over his head to no effect. Well, you know what that accidentally does? Makes him sound even tougher than he is. So now you got this scary looking dude who's got knockout power and is roughing up everybody in the boxing world. Now you're saying like, oh, by the way, for sport, he likes to fight four or five police officers at a time. And he's impenetrable. He's impervious to pain. So you're kind of just adding to his mystique here at this point. So, uh Sonny's back in jail again. Uh, he winds up getting out uh, on parole. Uh, I mean, he, he's got almost like an Incredible Hulk type uh, uh, news coverage about him now. Like, oh, you better not make him angry kind of a thing. Yeah, he's, he's the mystique that whatever you do, don't get Sonny pissed off at you because he'll just rip you up. Well, Sonny gets paroled early again because, he pro- again, he's sitting there in jail like, okay, three square meals a day. And by the way, when you're a giant intimidating dude in prison, I don't think you're worried about the showers the way that other people are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you can pick up your own soap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Liston, can I pick up your soap for you, sir? It seems like you- <laughs> he returned to boxing in 1958 with a new manager, Pep Barone. Yeah. Definitely not a mobster. Definitely not a mobster. Mobster, mobster. Definitely. Yeah, he's a mobster. So, <laughs> Pep Barone, he's going to be your manager here. The fights are coming in bunches now, though, because the mobsters, give them credit, man, they can get stuff done. You know why? Because there's no government regulation outside of the RICO statues <laughs> to slow down what the mob can do. Yeah, and then in this particular time, too, I mean, uh, boxing in general is not viewed as completely legit by the 
by the common public and by common man kind of a thing. But, you know, if it's the only fight in town, you're, you're still going to, whether it's mob controlled or uh, whatever, you're still you're still excited to see two guys going into the ring and beating the shit out of one another. Yeah, the fight for legitimacy is huge here because as we covered the issues with the Athletic Commission, uh, you'll even see it with the UFC still too, that there's certain places that wouldn't want a UFC fight until they saw how much money it generates. Then that talks. That got right, right, right. smooth as all the waters. But um, as we covered in one of our very early, early episodes about the history of boxing, uh, a round actually back in the day, a round was only considered when a guy got knocked down. Right. So you'd keep going until there was no, and we covered like some of the longest fights in history went on for like almost a day and a half. It's brutal stuff here. Sometimes you had to go fight down by the docks in order to be able to finish something because there was no law down by the docks. So there's definitely an element of the underworld in boxing. Some say to this day. But anyway, uh, Sonny's out now. He's got Pepperone as his manager. A new challenger. Every single new challenger was made out to be, oh, here, here's a hurdle. This one might slow down listing a little bit. Uh, yeah, he knocks all of these motherfuckers out. Uh, he is riding a nine-fight knockout streak. That's not a nine-fight win streak, listeners at home. That's a nine-fight <laughs> knockout streak. Right. You go against Sonny, uh, you're going down. It's a, a foregone conclusion, man. Uh, now, this streak of his, in terms of, he, it's not going to end his winning streak, but it will end his knockout streak. That Here's a guy who figured out how to last a full fight with him. Uh, now, this fighter's name is Eddie Machin or Machin. How would you want to say that, Dad? I think it's Machin. I'm going to say Machin. Eddie Machin. So... Um, who taunted, evaded, and would cheap shot Liston all fight long. He's able to go the distance, but he's clearly outpointed by him, which is worth noting, too, because Sonny Liston got um, a point taken away from him for uh, an inadvertent low blow, right? But Eddie is such a dirty fighter that at one point he's trying to throw Sonny Liston over the top rope like it's the Royal Rumble, okay? So he's a dirty, dirty fighter here, man. And uh, he's that comes into play a little bit later on in the story too because people are going to notice this because boxing really is these guys just study the shit out of each other what happens when we do that this guy seems to do this so it's a lot of they always say it's such a cliche to say it's chess but this really is okay i noticed that if we move this thing here we can get this guy to do that so you're manipulating his next move based off the few choices you're giving him then you can be that much further ahead so here's the problem though eddie he managed to figure out how to frustrate Sonny Liston, but he ain't winning, man. Sonny still beats him. Unanimous decision. He's actually such a dirty fighter against him that the crowd is cheering for Sonny Liston for the first time. Because make no mistakes, guys. Sonny Liston, as fun as he is to watch and he's giving you the knockout power, the people hate him. Yeah, he's not a popular guy. Yeah. I mean, he's mob connected and everything else. And he's just this big uh, brute kind of a thing. That, oh, yeah. Uh, um, that he's not he's not the uh, the fan favorite by any stretch of the imagination. Well, to lead into that, because this this first I mean, you could make how many movies about Sonny Liston's life do you have to make in order <laughs> yeah. to tell the story? Right. But this, I would say, would be if you've got your 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 origin story is done here. We're going to get right into the, the meat of this first part of the story here. Um, Liston is now literally being called by the papers. He goes, he's the champion in waiting. Which is, I mean, that's, if you're the champion, you're like, excuse me? I This guy, I haven't even fought this guy yet. Like, nope, but it's when it happens, right, it's you're in happen. deep shit, buddy. Right. right. <laughs> so Whenever they can make the arrangements for uh, promoting that next fight, whenever they can sign that uh, 
He's, he's the the heir apparent to the to the championship title. You know, c- coming up on almost three years of doing this here with you, Dad, I don't think you've ever given me a better segue setup to go into the next part. Well, that that was brilliant. Oh, thank you, sir. Oh, no, this is we're having a moment, guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is only a matter of time, like you said, when in 1960, Liston is now the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. The champion at this time is Floyd Patterson. Patterson, like Liston, is a black fighter, African-American fighter. And uh, Floyd, however, was being champ. This was such a weird thing. I almost wish Kahuna was here because you'd watch him be like, wait, what? So th- <laughs> this would be one of those good jaw drop moments for the Kahuna here. So, But uh, Floyd, like we said, black fighter. Uh, Sonny Liston, black fighter. But Floyd Patterson is being championed by the NAACP, the National uh, Alliance for the uh, Advancement of Color People. So... Um, NAACP and uh, others, uh, a lot of other people, they're championing him. They're saying, like, you want to talk about, uh, you know, the civil rights movement and wanting to have equal treatment. And like, like, how dare you dehumanize these people? Look at this guy, Floyd Patterson. This is a great human being. This is a true sportsman, a gentleman. This guy's got a brain to him. He's a handsome guy. He's a smart guy. He's, he's you know, representing people well. He wants to do the right thing. This is you want to. They're, they're trying to say this is Captain Africa, um, African American kind of a thing. This is our guy. This is our bannerman here. We're all about this guy, Sonny Liston. Well, he's he's the other side of that coin, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, Sonny is uh, the mob connected, uh, you know, thug that's been arrested a couple of times, uh, and it, it's the the polar opposites. And again, the 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 times, and we're talking 1960, the whole civil rights thing, the NAACP, Martin Luther King. Um, uh, as I say, the whole civil rights movement is is definitely taking an uptick in in the early '60s. Um, we're 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 trying to pick your uh, your lead, if you will. Who who's going to be representing who here? Um, yeah. And we now have two black fighters. So. Um, uh, the card used to be, or they would try to play off the white fighter versus the black fighter. So we're, we're getting the polar opposites, and people are, you know, they would try to market that. Yeah, you're selling tribalism. Bigger, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, here we're now having, uh, you know, which which guy are we going to back here? The the one that's uh, going to be the, the the poster child for the NAACP versus uh, the mob. It, well, yeah, a guy who's mobbed up with a criminal record who's who's showing you. Now, by the way, this is actually why I like Sonny Liston so much upon reading about him, because you're just like, wow. So this guy, I mean, there, there's some some deep, dark stuff here. But look at what he's able to overcome on a lot of these aspects. So it's wild. But um, because of his previous criminal record and uh, obviously the the they want to protect the image of Floyd Patterson because he's a very well thought of uh, human being here. And uh, the NAACP, among others, are all petitioning to not let any athletic commission sanction this fight because people are saying there's actually even Jack Dempsey speaks out. Uh, Jack Dempsey, one of the, uh, the the most famous men in boxing, who, by the way, I thought this was interesting, uh, played himself up as Irish to sell tickets. But really, there's rumors that he was a gypsy, like a Romanoff people. Yep. So it was a little bit of your Peaky Blinders kind of a thing going on over there. But so he points out that... Uh, you know, he goes, I don't think Sonny Liston and Floyd Patterson should fight because Sonny Liston's a criminal here. And then finally, Sonny Liston was like, well, you got this sounds like you guys are dodging me. And then finally, Sonny Liston even makes an accusation against Jack Dempsey when he didn't want to. He makes a comment saying, well, uh, 
you know, Jack Dempsey, you didn't fight in World War One. So what is that? You know, you took a, a I think they allowed him to not fight because there was it was almost like a, a an exemption thing, like a celebrity exemption for him. I'd have to look more into that. But um, now so now Sonny Liston's firing back a little bit here. Even this is how deep this fucking thing goes. President John F. Kennedy specifically said to Floyd Patterson, I don't think you should fight Sonny Liston. That's going to hurt the civil rights movement. You know, is is this your guy that that's who's going to represent you? Know, and people in the civil rights movement were like, no, Floyd Patterson's the way that this is this is the direction we're trying to go. You know, you need a, a, a champion you can be proud of. And we're not exactly going to be proud of a guy who's still fighting cops on the regular. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, after a long delay of this inevitable title fight, Liston is forced to change management and eventually have to politic his way into the fight using the similar dirty tactics to how. Uh, other people were attempting to politic him out of the fight in the first place. So finally, the fight's going to go down. Comiskey Park, old White Sox Stadium for our baseball fans. In 1962, Sonny Liston would fight Floyd Patterson. Liston would enter the fight as an 8-5 to five favorite. That's pretty good odds when you're not the champion. Uh, however, you know, you got to look at it. Who are the people that are in the know? The other people that do, you know, have also gone down that road. Previous greats from the same sport. Most former world champions, including Rocky Marciano, Jersey Joe Walcott. I love that guy, by the way. Oldest world heavyweight champion of all time, I believe, at the time. Uh, and he's from Jersey, if you didn't pick up on that. Uh, Jimmy Braddock, another guy who, uh, the Cinderella man himself, played by Russell Crowe. And others will pick Patterson to win. Uh, but somewhere in the back, there's this mouthy young up-and-comer named Cassius Clay who's predicting that Sonny Liston is going to get knocked out. I'm sorry, Sonny Liston's going to knock out Floyd Patterson, and he goes probably within five rounds. Yeah, and by 62, uh, this uh, mouthy young black man, uh, Cassius Clay, um, just took the uh, the gold medal at the uh, Olympics uh, in the light, I believe in the light heavyweight, but uh, you know he was definitely... Uh, um, sounding off as to what his predictions was going to be, Liston versus uh, Patterson. You read about Muhammad Ali, and you're like, "There's no way this guy's real." This is <laughs> Stan Lee sat down over a, you know a pen yeah. and a pad and just created this guy, right? No, he was a real dude. Um, he wound up being the guy who picked right on this fight too, by the way, because this big fight, this big big fight against the undisputed world heavyweight champion and Floyd Patterson and the champion in waiting and Sonny Liston. Ends in the first round. Liston knocks Patterson out cold. This is huge because not only is it a, a title change now, this is the first time in boxing history, boxing history, that goes all the way back to, uh, you know, friggin' the Queensberry <laughs> rules, Marquess of Queensberry, right? right. Uh, goes all the way back to that, even beforehand, uh, that the world heavyweight champion, I'm sorry, a defending champion, gets knocked out in the first round. Sonny Liston heavyweight champion of the world. Liston actually had a speech ready for the reporters because his friends are all telling like, oh man, now that you're champion, they're going to have to cover you. You better have something prepared, you know? Um, and he's known as a, a deadpan kind of guy. You don't get a whole lot of excitement out of him, which is this this calm kind of thing that maybe psychs other people out too. Like I always notice whoever was calmest in the room, uh, you know, to, to borrow that line from the big Lebowski, calmer than you are, dude. Calmer than you are right now. <laughs> but... Uh, He's uh, he goes to the airport now. He's ready to go make this speech. That he's got prepared for the reporters and the crowd of fans that he's expecting to come after. He just won the world heavyweight championship, except he gets met at the airport by barely anybody. The absolute bare minimum is there. The toughest bastard in boxing is hurt real bad. 
uh, Philly, the city that he's living in now, the country that he's living in, the country that he's representing, the boxing world of which he is the undisputed champion, seemingly want absolutely nothing to do with him. Yeah, Patterson was uh, clearly the fan favorite that uh, nobody <laughs> wanted to see Patterson lose the title exactly. to, to, to this uh, mobbed up uh, you know, criminal element. Um, and uh, ex-con, so he was uh, yeah. he was a badass, and he didn't give you anything uh, to really like about him too at the time. I, I bet you, if I lived during that era, I probably would say that he was a piece of shit. But then reading about him, you're like, okay, so this guy's there was some more going on behind the scenes here. So they're uh, clearly aiming to take the new world heavyweight champion down. The press wants nothing to do with him here. Uh, they actually taint his victory because they're saying, I think there's a line too where they said the ticker tape parade made up by uh, arrest warrants. That they've shredded arrest warrants of his to give his ticker tape parade. By the way, one of those people, uh, Larry Merchant, who boxing fans will know from uh, you know all the HBO and big fights and stuff like that. But I thought this was hilarious. Larry Merchant changed his name because he wanted to sound less Jewish because he feared there was anti-Semitism in boxing. That's very common, by the way. You'd see a lot of Jewish fighters go by Irish names. Irish names, absolutely. Right, to, in order to be able to get in there. And then you could play it up uh, if you looked a little bit, you know, dark, you could maybe get away with being Italian. There's kind of, it's an interesting thing with that. But uh, Larry Merchant, his original name was Larry Kaufman. And he changed it to Larry Merchant to sound less Jewish. So it was uh, to go by Merchant, which actually is what Kaufman means, I believe. Uh, okay. That's, so I thought that was worth noting here. Um, but anyway, uh, you're going to wind up having to have a rematch, right? Liston and Patterson are going to have to have a rematch. And the writers are clearly, they're doing everything they can. Liston's not doing himself any favors here, mind you. He's still having more run-ins with the law. He's also developing a, a reputation for being a very, very heavy drinker and not even in a good way. Um, and he's still, again, having issues here. Uh, one of the cops that he have gotten to a scuffle with was actually a black officer as well. So it wasn't even like, uh, you know, you could. there was a lot going on, man. It was any time that they'd sit there and be like, oh, well, Sonny actually deserves to be hurt. Was this cop using a racial slur? Oh, shit, he was actually, the cop was black. Well, that's not good. That's not a good look for anybody right. here. So Lloyd, and, I'm sorry, Liston and uh, Patterson are going to eventually have their rematch. Um the boxing writers are, they can't wait to talk up this story because first of all, they don't like Sonny Liston to begin with. Sonny's also notoriously rude to them, which doesn't help. And then they're saying like, Floyd Patterson has the chance to make history here. He could be the first person to ever win the World Heavyweight Championship three times. Because he had lost it once before and then he won it back. And they're like, oh my God. So now you got this this story, this Disney-like story of can he come back and do it, right? Yeah, so we're pumping, up. we're pumping up the rematch big time. And, uh, oh, yeah. What's that going to do? It's going to sell some tickets. <laughs> sell some tickets, baby. And uh, certainly change the uh, the betting line as well. Absolutely going to change the betting line. Gonna, you got a lot of people paying attention to this fight now. Patterson's ready for him. And Patterson does better this time. He really does. He lasts four seconds longer while still getting knocked out in the first round. <laughs> yeah. So, like four, four seconds longer. Not four rounds, four seconds. Four seconds longer. Yeah, Sonny Liston, too bad to handle, man. You can't beat him. Much to the crowd and the press's chagrin, Sonny Liston, defending world heavyweight champion, is victorious. Liston acknowledged his lack of fan support with a great quote. This was, um, this is such a great quote. Um, this is one of those things that, that endears you to him. He goes, the public is not with me. I know that, but they'll have to swing along until someone comes to beat me. All right, so you might not like it, but I'm what it is. So who could beat Sonny Liston, Dad? 
Uh, well, I think there's a, a youngster that's uh, an up-and-comer. That's hard to say, right? There's these scouting reports on him all over the place. That uh, Here's how to beat him. you got to be a fast puncher. He work inside because they always said that Sonny was slow as hell. I mean, uh, but he Sonny would also bank on his, his chin a lot that you could get in there with him. He just needed you in there long enough so that he could you – know, he'll take a couple punches as long as he can land that one left jab from hell. But uh, – He's an intimidating uh, guy. Intimidating is all hell. Got a bad boy reputation and now the title to boot. And that's going to enter uh, one of the the second movie of uh, Sonny Liston's life here. Enter a brash young boxer named Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, but he's not a.k.a. Muhammad Ali just yet. He's still Cassius Clay at this particular point. But mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, Cassius Clay uh, took the gold medal um, in the Olympics in 1960. Uh, he's mouthy. Uh, oh wow! I, is that that's another uh, American Olympian that uh, changed their name after, yeah. after winning a medal? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he might have even gotten on the Wheaties package, but uh, that, that's another story. But uh, uh, Cassius Clay is uh, his nickname is the uh, Louisville Lip. That I mean, he was so mouthy that uh, they gave him they gave him that handle. He's but so funny. He you was, watch those uh, old, he's hysterical, self promoting, and uh, you know, a master at at promoting an up-and-coming fight type of thing that, uh, you know, people are either going to hate him or love him, and that's going to just add to ticket sales. If you're a reporter, though, and you got a guy, a, a mean, bad dude who's rude to you with a criminal background like Sonny Liston, and then you got a guy that gives you soundbite after soundbite and great quote of great quote of all time, it is so easy to see why the press and the public – uh, we're, we're drawn towards Muhammad Ali. Now, like Cassius you said, Clay. Uh, it's not Muhammad it's Ali. It's getting tough here. We're not, I don't want to it, – I get it. You're that, correct. That, that leads us into another important factor uh, later in the story here. Okay. that's uh, I'll, I'll respect that. I'll do my damnedest here on this one. But it does get tough, you know. That's uh, um, Now, this fight's going to be interesting because Cassius Clay is going to enter as the heavy um, underdog. Sonny Liston is an 8-to-1 favorite. 8-to-1 folks okay that's eight bucks to one buck you know what i mean that's right so, you bet one and you could win eight <laughs> well uh he takes um he takes uh cassius clay lightly and uh sonny liston will do minimal training here and cassius clay in one of his classic bombastic outbursts this is one of my favorites ever like you know doing that spoken word kind of a a rhythm and beat to the words he goes if you want to lose your hard-earned money go ahead and bet on sonny so, yeah, that was uh, that was this. He certainly did provide the sound bites. That's he, for sure. Oh, he's he's so great. Now, this first round of the soon-to-be legendary fight, we'll see Cassius Clay use his evasiveness to his advantage. As Sonny Liston would continue to press, Cassius Clay could dodge and frustrate Sonny while also scoring shots. So, yeah. a, a lightning fast uh, combo here at the end of the first round actually leads to the, the place erupting. So Cash is, you know, he's showing you, you know, I can do some stuff here, guys. This ain't going to be, I'm not going to be part of this knockout tour of uh, Sonny Liston's. So yeah, but part of uh, part of this whole thing leading up to this first meeting of uh, Cassius Clay and, and uh, Sonny Liston is that Cassius Clay is continuing to um, antagonize uh, Liston. That uh, he's making him trying to make him angry because. Again, you were talking Ooh, a about psychological yeah, a little warfare psychological here. warfare. He is uh, taking note of what how other people were successful against Liston, 
that uh, you keep away from them because when when listening gets in close with you, that's when you're going to get get yourself into trouble. So if you stay away from him and make him angry that he now he's not he's not fighting smart. Well, he's who gave him that angry. advice, Dad? Well, yeah, that the, <laughs> the one guy that went the distance with uh, Sonny Liston. So Eddie Matchin. Yeah. So um, and he's just Cassius Clay is just doing whatever he can. Um, to get those sound bites out there that that's just going to piss him off. As a matter of fact, he's even um, hiring a bus and riding this bus around town, uh, talking about how uh, you know he he's going to take Liston on and all the, all this type of thing. So whatever he can do, and even to the to the way in. But go ahead with uh, go ahead with what you're leading up to here with the with the first meeting. Oh, it's a it's a pretty good one, man. As this fight's going to continue to progress. Uh, Cassius Clay begins to take an early advantage. Ming actually brought up the, the footage in the background here, too. And it's so obvious that you have Sonny Liston coming in as this immovable object. You got to get he's got to get close in to kill. He's like the juggernaut or something. And uh, Cassius Clay is just evading. But when he gets in, he's making a count. Right. So um, Ali will be the first man ever, by the way, to cut Liston during a fight. Liston would later need eight stitches to fix this cut. Uh, shortly after the corner man and the cup man's working time over in Liston's corner, uh, Cassius Clay will suddenly experience a blinding and burning pain in his eyes, and he's going to openly claim foul play. Yeah, he's uh, jumping up and down in the ring and everything else and, and making it known that uh, there's something in his eyes. Uh, and again, this whole um, promotion of this particular fight, uh, Cassius Clay uh, was just going berserk at the at the weigh in and everything else, and uh, just uh, just totally unruly. And but but you know, again, this is all leading up. To, is this a, a ploy that he's trying to get Liston to be fighting as um, a madman rather than fighting smart? So uh, he's uh, Cassius Clay is able to put in combinations. Uh, into him that uh, Liston has not experienced before. That uh, there's a cut now, and what they say is a mouse. There's a mouse under one eye, a big swollen uh, spot under the one eye, and and above the other eye is a cut. And when he goes back into uh, into their neutral corners uh, between rounds, um, Liston's cornerman uh, applies something on there to st- stop the bleeding. And it is well. There's a, a big controversy yeah. over. Could this what have just been it. an accident that whatever they used on him was then you know, obviously going to touch Liston's gloves, and then maybe was able to touch Muhammad Ali? I'm sorry, Cassius Clay's uh, face whenever he was you know teeing away on him, and you can see it because Ming brought up the footage, and you can see it. Um, they are showing in the corner that uh, Cassius Clay is just. I mean, he looks like he's just been knocked out and woken back up. He's so he's obviously in pain now. His cornermen. We're even saying that as they're trying to wipe his uh, his eyes clean, if you will, because he can't you know, see anything, he wants Cassius Clay saying, cut my gloves off, cut my gloves off, w- w- investigate this. There's some bullshit here. Something's going on. I want to know what the deal is. And they go ahead and uh, uh, this corner calms him down and said, this is, you know, you can't do that. We're in New York, man. This is a title fight. You can't screw around like this. So anyway, he winds up having to persevere through the fight. But what they're saying is, is that his cornermen, they stuck their pinky in uh, Cassius Clay's eye and then touched it to his own eye. And he goes, and that started to burn like hell. Right. So there's something, there's some chemical or something like that, whether it was introduced innocently by Sonny Liston's corner as a way to try to stop his cut 
Um, or, and they, they're really not experienced with how to handle a cut like that too. This is the first time he's ever been cut in a fight. So, or do you not get the benefit of the doubt because you're Sonny List and you're a former criminal and you're tied up with the mob real good. And this looks like you guys are trying to fix a fight. Right. And it was, uh, there was um, speculation that uh, whatever they did put on um, Liston's eye to close and stop the bleeding, they also put it on his shoulders so that when they're in the clinches and Cassius Slay is putting his forehead on his shoulder kind of a thing when they're when in tight together in the clinches that now he's sweating and that sweat with that whatever they put on his uh, his opponent's eye is now dripping into his own eyes. Um uh, his cornerman years later would say that you know they took a uh, a water uh, soaked sponge and tried to rinse it out and but he like you said Kevin he touched his pinky into um, Cassius Clay's eye and then touched it to his own eye and it burned like hell so there was some there was definitely some foreign we'll call it a foreign substance a lesser man <laughs> would have been beaten by this but this is why you never need you know any sort of absolute proof that Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. Uh, Ali will get through the pain. So he's fighting through this now. This Whatever this foreign substance is, whether intentional or not, is now in his eyes, blinding him. He's figuring out a way. He says he can't see shit. He admits this. He goes, I couldn't see much of anything during the, re- the next couple of rounds of that fight. But he gets through the fight. He's eventually sweating enough and staying busy enough that all of a sudden he's okay. Yeah. Not okay, but he's able to see again. In, in the fifth round, uh, Cassius Clay's uh, is really only just seeing shadows of Liston, but he's able to stay away from him and avoid Liston and somehow survive the round. And then by the sixth round, Clay's sight uh, cleared and uh, he began landing his combinations. Uh, oh, the crowd's almost, going nuts. Almost at will, yeah. And the, and the crowd is, is absolutely going nuts. Because for that first round when he was really struggling with his eyesight, uh, the announcers were even saying, oh, starting the fight's starting to turn here for uh, Sonny Liston. And uh, unfortunately for Liston, he's not going to be able to answer the bell for the seventh round. So that means they went six rounds here. And then at the seventh round, uh, depending on who you talk to, Sonny Liston either quit on his stool or they realized that his shoulder injury that he had that he, he didn't really disclose as much about because he wasn't nervous about fighting Muhammad Ali. Because I can probably beat him with a beat up shoulder. Um Ali will later state that it was the toughest fight of his career, but all of a sudden now he's uh, – Sonny Liston says he's too injured to continue the fight. New world heavyweight champion, and Sonny Liston doesn't even come back. He does not answer the bell for the seventh round. He stays in his corner. They they kind of, you know, I don't want to say throw in the towel, but he cannot continue. Yeah. Now, I mean, they even say that that's partly bullshit too because they were saying we knew we had a rematch and no one's going to buy the rematch if this guy – if Sonny Liston quit on the stool. You got to say he had a hurt shoulder, so you can create some intrigue for the rematch. Yeah, and that because boxing so yeah, fucking that, fraudulent. That whole rematch thing was uh, that was um, tainted, if you will, too, because by uh, World Boxing Association uh, rules, you were not allowed to have a contract for a rematch before the fight even starts. Because uh, shady, and, yeah, it was all kinds of shady, different things. And there's two different stories uh, as to why um, um, Sonny Liston did not answer the bell, if you will, as to come out for the seventh round. Some say that it was because of his prositis, uh, some, that he had prositis in the shoulder and he couldn't even lift his arm anymore. Um, and obviously in the previous round, he was getting tattooed pretty good by, uh, by Cassius Clay. And I keep saying Cassius Clay rather than Muhammad Ali because at, this, partic- <laughs> because at this particular point, in, the, in their first meeting, he was Cassius Clay, but there was a whole big cloud over this whole thing, too, because um, Cassius Clay 
had a, uh, a friendship going on with uh, Malcolm X, um, and that was the the polar opposite of the uh, NAACP type of thing. That they were um, separatists, if you will, from the whole civil rights movement. That um, they wanted to be <laughs> they wanted to be treated differently. Uh, to be to be polite here, and without getting into a whole another uh, podcast but um uh, it's a marcus garvey uh webb dubois kind of a yeah. beef between the two of them now this this fight took place in miami but it was almost um it was almost um postponed or called off because you're talking of, the second fight no the the first fight the okay. first the first fight is in is in in uh, florida in in miami i might have misspoken then i think okay. i said new york earlier um and then uh um, it was almost called off because of Cassius Clay's uh, alleged um, association with um, the, the uh, with Malcolm X, uh, and again we're in the midst of the whole civil rights movement here. So there was the the polarization of the country, if you will, is is really ramping up at this particular point in time. But uh, um, at the fight, he was still Cassius Clay, um, uh, and then. Um, Again, in that seventh round, there was a big uh, uh, controversy over did uh, Sonny Liston not answer the bell? Did he did he spit out his um, his mouthpiece um, because he was finished that he was wasn't going to answer the bell, or did he spit out his mouthpiece in disgust because his his corner threw in the towel for him that they didn't want him to a lot continue of moving parts here right because uh because they knew in the back of their mind hey we already got a rematch going here and we're going to be able to sell the crap out of a rematch if uh the defending champion does not uh, answer the bell and, and sits on his stool so i mean there was a there was a lot of different things but that's where the whole um the whole alley shuffle, uh, which later became known as the alley shuffle, because Howard Cosell, one of the broadcasting uh, giants, if you will, um, is <laughs> New York Giants, is broadcasting at ringside, and and shouts, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Sonny Liston is not coming out." So, and then um, Cassius Clay is doing his little his little jig, his little dance in the middle of the ring, and he's standing over him, kind of a thing, and uh, um, you know. Again, he's he's being the showman. There's no doubt. Oh, he's entertaining he, as hell. Yeah, he, you know, he's being the showman, and then um, um, Clay uh, ran to the ropes amidst the commotion of the ring and, and shouts at the sports writers, "Eat your words! Eat your words! I am the greatest! I shook up the world!" You know, so that you know he's uh, he's definitely uh, definitely making the entertainment value on, on this whole on this whole fight for sure. Oh, again, eight to one underdog, and now he's the world heavyweight champion. So. Yeah, and, and everybody everybody was was certain that Liston was just going to beat the shit out of uh, Cassius Clay. That uh, again by the by the betting odds that uh, you know if you if you're an eight to one favorite, uh, that's pretty much a sure thing, right? Well, not so much. Well, the rematch is going to be uh, – this is agreed to before the fight, like you said, Dad, depending on who you talk to. That's going to cause uh, further suspicions of uh, potential foul play. This is the stuff that kind of plagues Sonny Liston's career uh, it, when you try to tell the full story here. Uh, Sonny it, it originally – because, again, they have to reschedule the fight a couple of times or due to some injuries and a couple other weird things. But Sonny is now arguably in the best shape of his career. 
But all of a sudden, there's more rumors and stuff coming out like, well, he's been using drugs too. Uh, they're they're going to talk about potential use of heroin, uh, uh, marijuana being uh, a yeah, thing as well. He, he was drinking. Heavy booze bag, yeah. Yeah, and in all his, all his previous fights, he never had to go beyond the, mm-hmm. uh, the two rounds. So uh, Is his know. conditioning going to come into <laughs> right. effect? So now the referee for this fight, you know you got a big important fight here. The last one ended a little bit strange. you got to make sure that somebody can handle business in the ring. So who are going to bring in as the referee for this fight? Former world heavyweight champion, Jersey Joe Walcott. All right. Jersey Joe Walcott, he's about to be the referee for what I probably would say, I think you'll agree with me here, Dad. I want you to explain a little bit more about it, but this is the most controversial fight in boxing history to me. Uh, Unless you're talking about Tyson biting an ear off, but that's <laughs> this, this is pretty much up there. <laughs> yeah, well, that uh, the, these guys do have a, a rematch. Uh, two days after this first meeting of Cassius Clay, um, and Sonny Liston, two days afterwards, after he coming into that fight with all kinds of suspicions about being tied in with the Nation of Islam and, and Malcolm X and everything else, two days after the fight, that's when Cassius Clay now decides that he's changing his name to uh, Muhammad X. Muhammad X because he was going to drop the clay part of his name because that was a name that his family was given by slave owners back in the day. So he's going to become known as uh, uh, Muhammad X. And then within, I believe, two months after that, um, there's a big meeting of the Nation of Islam and the leader Elijah Muhammad gives him the name Muhammad Ali. Um, so now we were factoring that whole thing, so that we're we're really playing up the whole race uh, situation there too. That we had these two black fighters, and now the one is is um, declaring himself to be a Muslim. So we're we're factoring that into the thing, and we're also bringing in the uh, the whole idea that that original fight, that first fight, that first meeting with Clay, that he was temporarily blinded by Clay. Uh, two days after the fight, that heavyweight contender, that Eddie Matchin, the guy that did go the distance. Dirty Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Dirty Eddie. Uh, he said that he believed that Liston's handlers made a deliberate use of uh, the same type of uh, illegal medication to temporarily blind Clay, that they did the same thing to him back back in. But he didn't really mention it at the time where, where Cassius Clay or now Muhammad Ali was jumping up and down in the ring about taking my take my gloves off. They they blinded me with something here. So, you know, and this this name change that's uh, it's not like uh, something casual. Like oh, so uh, you know, uh, Snoop Doggy Dog is just going by Snoop Dog now. Right, right. It's not P Puff Daddy turned into right. P Diddy here. This is what he got us formerly known as. <laughs> <laughs> this is big big ticket stuff here. Yeah, man. Yeah, big yeah. revolutionary moments in American culture. Um, so, yeah, the, the, this just adds another just so many more levels of, uh, of intrigue to this to this whole thing. And uh, they're they're trying to get a rematch. The, the boxing world is not happy with um, now Muhammad Ali being the world heavyweight champion. Um, there's moves to take the title away from him. Um um, because they weren't happy with the outcome. I mean, when you have an eight to one favorite go down, um, there's there's a lot of unhappy people with the with the outcome of that fight right. for certain. Money wise, for sure. So, so there's uh, um, 
allegations of a fix and everything else. And then, um, then there's immediately a call for a, a rematch. And uh, Clay publicly announces that uh, he's with the black Muslims. Uh, there's wide uh, condemnation of this whole thing by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Cassius Clay joins the black Muslims and started calling himself, you know, Muhammad Ali. Uh, there's um, the World Boxing Association um, did not allow fight contracts with rematch clauses. Well, through some kind of legalese type of thing, there was a rematch clause within mm-hmm. this first fight. So now they're they're trying to put together a rematch, um, pressed by uh, you know, and again, there's all different. Just like in in uh, uh, professional uh, wrestling, there's there's all different associations or, or uh, sponsoring right. organizations type yeah. of thing. That's why boxing gets so hard to follow because you can't tell what organization right. is the top tier. Uh, are you the world heavyweight champion of this particular association? And the IBFF, WBO, LMNOP, LGBTQ. There you go. Um, but when they uh, first signed for the rematch, the uh, – the WBA, the World Boxing Association, unanimously voted to strip Ali of the title and drop Liston from its rankings. However, the World Boxing Council and the New York State Athletic Commission and Ring Magazine continued to recognize Ali as the champion. Now, though, because uh, maybe they're paying attention to boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they saw the fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, clearly, the guy did not come out of the come out of his corner for the seventh round. So now they're trying to find um, they're trying to find a spot to have this rematch, and all of these other states, um, like forty seven out of the fifty states, are not allowing uh, this fight to this rematch to go on, except for uh, California, Nevada, and New York. So all these uh, guys are now trying to get this rematch. They uh, they did have uh, they did have a thing set up for New York. And that um, that uh, f- fell through. Yeah. So this is boxing trying to sabotage boxing from within because they're they're not right. So who's yeah? It's a control. It's a fight for control. But you still let's just because I want to get into the fight here in a second too. Muhammad Ali, Sonny Liston. That's the two best fighters in the world. They should be fighting each other again. It's, it should be a rematch. It should be for the title. That's just what it should be. Anybody from an athletics point, this is absolutely what you want out of these two guys. It's a very exciting fight. I mean, there, you were alive during this, right, dude? What was the press like going on? Yeah, but I'm a, I mean, I was a middle schooler, so I mean, it was like who was really paying attention to that? Other than uh, there's two black guys are going to be pounding the shit out of one another. <laughs> so, you know, who you want to vote for the the braggadocious uh, Muhammad Ali or the the uh, the criminal element, uh, Sonny Liston. Uh, it's a tough one, man. Sonny yeah. Liston also had the nickname The Bear. So that, uh, you know, that he was the big the Brutus. The fact that they're both heavyweights in this fight, because Ming's got the footage on in the background. You can't watch this up on YouTube, guys. Definitely check it out. It's unbelievable to watch. Sonny Liston just looks like he's because Muhammad Ali's got the height on him, I think. But Sonny Liston had crazy reach, they said. He had like an un, it was uncommon to have the reach that he had with his build. This dude's back is huge. Now, let me tell you, as a guy with a huge back, I have guys coming up to me, uh, be like, what, what do you do in the gym for your back? I was like, uh, manual labor. <laughs> uh, I do a little bit of roofing mixed in with my CrossFit, but 
Um, yeah, he's he's a huge intimidate. He looks bigger than Muhammad Ali. If Muhammad Ali didn't have the height on him, you'd think that this was an unfair fight. So, so I mean, it, and it, the, the, this whole rematch, while they're searching for finding a place to hold this rematch, all these various states are saying that we're not, it's not going to be in our state. It's not going to be in our state. Well, finally, they found a place to have this rematch in in Massachusetts. Um, and there was a uh, originally going to be Boston, I think. A, a, yeah, a pre-fight. There was going to be a pre-fight physical announcing uh, what might begin the men. <laughs> pre-fight physical. Um, Muhammad Ali comes into the pre-fight physical dragging a bear trap. When Sonny Liston is known as the bear, mm-hmm. right? And he's also announcing that he might begin manufacturing the Sonny Liston sit-down stool because Sonny Liston never came out of the corner, never got off his stool. So yep. it was the first time in history that a defending heavyweight champion never got off the stool um, to, to answer the bell, if you will. So, um, you know, they're promoting the shit out of this, whether it's you know, showmanship or whatever. Um but at the last minute, there was a, a there's a court battle back and forth as to uh, whether they're going to be able to hold this thing in uh, in Boston, and the courts rule that they can't have it in in Boston. They can't have it in the state of Massachusetts. Well, now there's a really big scramble as to finding uh, where where are we going to hold this thing, and they end up in the state of Maine. So in the state of Maine, uh, promoters quickly needed to find this new this new venue. And uh, what was interesting to me is that they rescue the event by having closed circuit television uh, commitment um, around the world. And uh, there's a governor in Maine that steps forward in the site of this new rematch is Lewiston, Maine, famous for for boxing championships, right? It's one of the smallest venues that they've ever had. Actually, I believe it was a high, a high school hockey rink where they were actually holding the fight. So Perfect. very, <laughs> very. Uh, Get off the ice! The world heavyweight champions, <laughs> yeah, are right? Coming. Right. Get that Zamboni out of here. We got to uh, we got to have a, a fight tonight. Um, so there's, uh, you know, the, uh, this last minute scramble to put this whole thing together. The atmosphere surrounding the fight is tense. Uh, Malcolm X, who had been uh, uh, public and bitter falling out with uh, uh, the Nation of Islam, is assassinated several months before the fight. So that whole Muslim, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, Malcolm X, uh, um Martin Luther King Jr., all, all of that whole turmoil within those times has really come into play big time. Um, the FBI is now um, protecting uh, Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston's camp because there was a threat that there was going to be uh, Nation of Islam uh, assassination attempts on these two fighters because they weren't happy with uh, with the outcome of the first fight. Um um, but the ending of the second Ali Liston fight <laughs> remains. I mean, the the fight does come off, um, but the the ending of that second Ali Liston fight remains to be one of the most controversial in boxing history. So, as controversial as Ali Liston one was, yep, Ali Liston two was even more, uh, even more controversial. So. 
you want to jump in on on that? Well, you're going to talk about the Phantom Punch, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. But you want me to continue going here? Yeah, with no, the, keep going. Uh, so it, it, unfortunately, because Sonny, listen, there, there's a good, interesting third act to this, but it's very short because, like, this is the meat of the story right here. So it's uh, and by the way, you can hear me scuffling in in, uh, in the background here. Do pay Ming for the time we're obviously going to go over today. So <laughs> take it away, Phantom Punch. All right. Well, midway they finally have this fight going off. It's a, a close circuit television uh, commitment um, from around the country and around the world. So people are paying to go into theaters to watch this thing via closed circuit TV. And again, that's a sign of the times. We're in the early 60s here. So pay-per-view wrestling matches. Well, now we got pay-per-view in a theater setting, um, boxing matches going on back in the in the mid sixties. Always such a cool scene from Boardwalk Empire when uh, they all get together in a theater to listen on the radio to a fight. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So th- this is a, it's a big event. It's a it's a big event, and everybody's leading up to this. Uh, finally, we're going to have this this um, rematch midway through the first round. Um, Listen through a left jab and a, a supposedly Ali, Muhammad Ali, now supposedly went over it with a fast right, knocking the former champion down. So listen is down. He's down on one knee and then he kind of rolls over onto his onto his knee and then rolls over onto his back. Many who were there in person did not see it. And you've got a lot of former heavyweight champions there in attendance in this little freaking ice rink in in maine Mm -hmm. um so they're very small um in-person uh viewers of this thing but uh they didn't even see the fight or the the punch uh because ming's got it up on the the screen here too it's it it's very fat and the camera angle is not even all that great no the camera angle is such uh, is such and many intends did not even see deliver uh see ali deliver the punch um the referee for this event is uh, former heavyweight champion himself, referee Jersey Joe Walcott. Yeah. So Ali um, um, knocks Liston down. Liston is down, but now Ali is standing over him and taunting him and saying, come on, get up, sucker, get up, sucker. Nobody's going to believe this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And he's like jumping around. Jersey Joe Walcott, the referee, his job is to put Ali back into a neutral corner. So before he starts the the ten count, right for the for the for the knockout because he did knock him down, his first job is to get him into a neutral corner before he can start the count. Meanwhile, there's supposed to be a another guy outside the ring who's starting the count. But I mean, the the place is going nuts. Um, Ali is not getting into his neutral corner, so a lot of time is spent trying to get Ali back away from him because, again, afterwards, there was all kinds of controversy and all kinds of speculation as to what exactly happened. How did this guy get knocked down from a punch that I never saw? All right. Yeah. So, so it's phantom punch. And again, the phantom no one's punch. getting the benefit of the doubt because they're like, oh, this looks like a fixed fight here. Or is, again, it's probably the truth is that Muhammad Ali was that good. Yeah. And then that that photograph that was taken uh, becomes the greatest sports, one of the greatest sports photos of all time with Muhammad Ali standing over the, the fallen uh, Sonny Liston on the mat. You know, taunting him, get up, sucker, get up. Um, 
uh, the, the timekeeper, one Francis McDonough, was supposed to pick up the, the count as soon as uh, Liston fell to the canvas. For whatever reason, he didn't. Uh, and then um, once Jersey Joe Walcott, the referee, gets um, Muhammad Ali back into a neutral corner, he's looking to the timekeeper as to where is the count? <laughs> are we up to four? Are we up to five or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, he has... The referee has the boxers. He finally gets up. They finally, they were going to start going at it again. And then McDonough, the timekeeper, yells, no, the fight's over. The fight's over. He hit the 10 count. Mm -hmm. So, holy shit. I mean, nobody, nobody was pounding. The timekeeper was not pounding on the canvas, you know, one, two, three. And that was by, by rules that was supposed to happen. Or um, we've covered in a, a previous episode that he was supposed to be waving that in front of his face, you know, the one, the two, so that even if the guy's in days, he can see something going on. Yeah, you on. should be able to respond at least. And if you're not, then that's a good sign. That, hey, maybe and that goes back to a previous episode where we took, covered the boxer by the name of Def Burke. Yep. <laughs> that, that couldn't hear, <laughs> that he only could see the, the thing. So anyhow, there was a, a huge controversy over that. Um, Liston went down at the one minute and 44 second mark and got up at the one minute 56 mark and Walcott stopped the fight at 212. So they did get back, but at the time things settled out, um, you know, skeptics starts calling it the phantom punch. Um, ringside uh, doctors were saying that, uh, you know, by looking at his uh, Liston's eyes, yeah, he was he was out. Other people were saying, no, that's bullshit, that his eyes were, weren't rolled back. They were darting from side to side. It, there's all kinds of speculation as to what exactly transpired with, with this whole thing. But, um, you know, that, that um, other heavyweights that were in the audience James Braddock, the Cinderella man, uh, suspected that Raleigh, uh, Ali's right hand merely finished up what an earlier punch had begun. You know, so as many people as there were in the audience, there was that many different opinions of what exactly did oh, yeah. transpire. So. And like we said, go ahead, watch this on YouTube yourself, guys. Check this one out. See where you kind of land on that. Maybe you think there was some you know, foul play in here. Maybe you think this – because, by the way, that phantom punch thing that uh, Ali used, that he, he you know, kind of – I forget what he changed the name of it to, but um, the, the idea of a phantom punch, he never used that again to knock anybody else out in the rest of his career. So kind of interesting, weird stuff. So figure out – take a look at it for yourself. Tell me what you guys think. Yeah, and it was so there was speculation that uh, – you know the fix was in early on, and again, this was for the for the betting line that uh, that Liston was again in in with the mob. So that the betting line he was going to definitely t- take the fall or take the dive. Um, uh, the two bout the two bouts though. I mean, the, the legacy of this whole thing, the two fights between uh, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay and and Sonny Liston, really. The legacy of that was the two bouts launched one man and kind of ruined the other. Ruined is – it's such a weird word, right? Because I think you're right about this. It's um, it, it's crazy here. So after his second loss to Ali, Liston will step away from boxing for a short period of time. Now, uh, or a couple of years earlier, he had been married to a, a, a girl who – it was very strange. He had kids, but he never had kids with his wife. It was weird. But she <laughs> – referred to him saying he was a sweet and gentle man he was good to me he was good to the kids he was just a good human being right um 
He would travel. He stepped back into the ring eventually, though, for more fights. He was kind of hanging out doing like exhibition fights in Europe and stuff, doing co-promotion and everything, because that's where you start seeing the money coming in. Like Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya, geniuses, because they started Golden Boy Promotions and all that other stuff. So there, there's money to be made in boxing. So anyway, uh, and Sonny Liston, by the way, he's not like I'm done with boxing. He's not, you know, a, a forgotten guy here either. He's still a ranked fighter at this time. Uh, he only is going to – one more loss in his entire career. He's going to lose to a guy by the name of uh, Leotis Martin or Martin, I think. And uh, Sonny Liston's final fight, it's going to see him bringing into the ring a career-long 49-4 and record. 49-4. and that's not too shabby when half your losses are to a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and and the vast majority of wins were by knockout. So uh, he was he, he was, was a tour. brawler. Yeah, uh, don't um, I, I think they even said too that it uh, uh, yeah, Liston Ali too. People were still being seated as the knockout happened. Yeah, people were still finding their seats. That uh, holy crap, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, does a band come on and play afterwards? I mean, what the hell? Yeah, and the controversy that that led to, because all these people, I mean, um, all over the country, people are paying uh, extraordinary amounts of money to watch this thing on closed circuit TV, and the thing lasts a minute, not even even two minutes, and it's over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, wait a minute, I, I got ripped off here. So there's all kinds of investigations as to whether the fix was in or not. That's like I always love when I see that where um, they'll say uh, uh, if you're losing or if you're unhappy, it's all fixed. You know what I mean? Because there's so many people I know. I know a lot of good people uh, that happen to root for different football teams, and I've heard a lot of people like, "Oh, well, you know, they just th- this team pays the refs." Right. So yeah, oh, I forgot. That's all you got to do is just pay the refs, and then all of a sudden you can win games, right? <laughs> yeah, we would have figured that out by now. So. Um, if that was true, just by proxy, the Jets would have at least finished 500 twice in the last three <laughs> so years. Got enough money for that. <laughs> but uh, his final opponent now, as we said, he's going to bring into the ring with him a 49 and four record. Pretty damn good here. But his final tie, I'm sorry, his final opponent is another Jersey tie. And we got Jersey Joe Walcott over here. I think he was from Camden originally. Jersey no, Joe Walcott. Yeah, right. Uh, Penn Sorkin, I believe. He was a South. Uh, Jersey, South Jersey guy. Jersey Joe. He's calling a South pork Jersey roll. guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, That's right. <laughs> well, he's going to go at it. Uh, uh, we got Jersey Joe Walcott. Tough, tough dude. Tough. Yeah, I can't talk all of a sudden. Tough dude from Jersey in Jersey Joe Walcott. Now, he's going to wind up getting involved here. Uh, uh, he's you know, the referee for that fight. But now this final opponent is another Jersey tie-in. Uh, Ming, I'm very excited to tell you this. Uh, do you know who uh, Chuck Wepner is? Uh, I don't. I'm about to find out. He is, <laughs> yes. Uh, he's known as the Bayonne Bleeder, all right? Chuck Wepner is just a tough dude from Bayonne who uh, will eventually go on to fight Muhammad Ali. And infamously, whether it's a slip or whether it was a knockdown is still up for debate. But uh, Wepner was fighting for the World Heavyweight Championship against Muhammad Ali. And to his credit has, I knocked down Muhammad Ali as his thing. Little kid, uh, some some jerk off. Italian bodybuilder, uh, playwright type guy named Sylvester Stallone is going to see that on TV and uh, decides to go ahead and launch a franchise based off of that. So the Bayonne Bleeder, Chuck Webner, that's your real life Rocky, folks. So, um, he's going to wind up fighting him. The Bayonne Bleeder is now going toe to toe with Sonny List and who's still he might not be the, the greatest. If Muhammad Ali's the great, I'm going to go ahead and say this is pre Tyson, man. Sonny Liston's the baddest motherfucker on the block. So uh, uh, Jim Croce should be singing a song about him. That's how bad he is. But uh, 
the man who, again, you got Chuck Wepner here, who's a tough dude, but his nickname's the Bayonne Bleeder. So you're not really hearing about the finesse and the sweet science with Chuck Wepner. You're more so sitting and be like, this guy can take a goddamn beating. And uh, the Bayonne Bleeder, he'll live up to his name on this fight, Dad. Uh, the fight will be stopped due to heavy and deep cuts after nine rounds of relentless punishment. It was a completely one-sided fight. They said Wepner really, I don't think he took a round that Liston was just dominating the fight. But Wepner, it was almost like he could just, uh, I've heard the term used in, in wrestling before, pro wrestling. He just bleeds so beautifully. <laughs> where it was that the fan, you, you can't not start to feel for the guy. So Wepner needs 72 stitches, suffers a broken cheekbone and a broken nose. Uh, at, at the end of his career, Chuck Wepner's still alive, by the way. Having fought George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, and Sonny Liston, Wepner states that Liston is the hardest hitter he ever faced. So yeah, so the, the, the Bayonne bleeder is giving you the nod that yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you hurt me the worst. <laughs> Oof. And yeah. I, there's another great quote too when I, I believe that Wepner uh, they, they still debate. They say it was a slip, really. It wasn't a knockdown, but um, Wepner walked over Muhammad Ali during the fight. Whether that was intended or if it was just like a weird moment here, no one really knows the truth on that one. Um, but apparently. Uh, Wepner's corner said, you just knocked down Muhammad Ali. And I think Wepner's response is, yeah, but he looks pissed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, I found a little interesting tidbit too. Um, I know we're, we're going along here, but I thought this we, was We paid for it. We're okay this time. <laughs> Pre- <laughs> previous, uh, um, previous to the uh, Cassius Clay Liston fight, um, there was a, a, a British heavyweight uh, contender that uh you know they were speculating hey if if clay does win will you guys go against clay well no they said well yeah maybe but there's no way we're going to get into the ring with uh, sonny liston because we don't we don't even want to meet that guy on the street yeah <laughs> than mine in in the ring so that you know he was he was certainly a hard hitter and uh a force to be reckoned you know, with i might be misremembering something right now because uh He's got uh, Ming has the footage up here of Wepner and the knockdown of Muhammad Ali, but I don't think we- maybe it wasn't Wepner that walked over him. It might have been Dick Eklund, who is Mickey Ward's older half brother. Might have been him walking over um, Sugar Sugar Ray. I think he walked over Sugar Ray. Um, I might be mistaken on it. We'll figure it out here, but I'll tie this one up in a neat package for you guys. The Bayonne Bleeder is the final fight. So now. Listen is still a top-ranked fighter in the world. His defeat of Wepner gives him 50 wins, 5-0. That's a lot of goddamn fights, all right? And only four losses of all time. Liston would be found dead January 5th, 1971. His wife will return home from a two-week trip to their uh, apartment over in Las Vegas, and she just finds his dead body in a horrible stench that his body's been decaying. He's been here a couple of days, all right? There are small amounts of heroin and marijuana found on him. Uh, rumors had long persisted that Sonny had a heroin problem. Now, the cops are like, everybody knew Sonny Liston had a heroin problem, right? And But then there's other people who are saying, well, no, he was afraid of needles, yeah. deathly afraid, and he didn't like him. And they said that po- uh, possibly what they saw as the track mark on him was that uh, he had gone to the hospital and that they had to give him some sort of an injection or something. And he was mad about that because he was deathly afraid of needles and routinely, like a man's man, you know, that the, the barstool sports guy, be a man. Um, he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, well, I'm sick. I'm not going to the doctor. You know, I'm not doing that. Why would I go here? I just got chest pains, man. I don't want to deal with anything like that. So uh, 
lot of suspicion and conspiracy theories on this stuff. But uh, like we said, Liston is found dead on January 5th, 1971. Much like his birth, where you can't quite prove when he was born, you can't quite prove when he died either because his wife was gone for the two weeks and she find They actually have to estimate when he might have died based off of spoiled milk that was found at the house and newspapers that maybe hadn't been picked up that the newspaper was coming for yeah. a couple of days. So it's a, it's a very, very complex story here. Now, again, you're going to find uh, small amounts of drugs on him. There's the rumors about his heroin problem. This combined with some of his extracurricular activities with the mob and a rumor that he was supposed to take a dive in a fight and didn't. Okay. And there was other accusations made about that phantom punch that people are trying to say, well, oh, was this one fixed? Is that, was he supposed to take a dive against Wepner and he didn't because Wepner didn't mount any decent offense to justify a knockout of Sonny Liston? Because you got to figure if you're the mob and you have Sonny Liston and this guy's never been, you know, he almost never loses. And Muhammad Ali is the only guy that can really fit. Another knockout of him would probably pay dividends because then you could set the odds. You're like, well, it's not Muhammad Ali fighting him this time, so Sonny's going to go back to old school Sonny. Right. And then if he t- so that would have been a very profitable fight to fix, if you will. But when you hang out with some uh, uh, unscrupulous characters, as often as uh, Sonny Liston did, and you have the reputation for uh, you know getting into it with the authorities, and you've been in and out of jail your whole life, you just don't get the benefit of the doubt. So as Anyone who speaks about him, if you knew him, they said this was a good man. This was he was a pretty smart guy too. He wasn't. If you, you always gave me that great quote that if you judge a what was it, judge a penguin on his ability to fly, um, you'll always think that he's a failure, kind of a thing. Uh, so if you sat down with Sonny Liston, you said, well, hey, um, you know, read this sentence of this book or give me your thoughts on uh, Dickens, you know. He wouldn't be able to tell you anything. You'd be like, well, this guy's a moron. But then if you want to talk to him about anything else, it's like, oh, dude, you got a lot going on. All right. Yeah. It's uh, They always say Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather can't read, which is kind of true. Um, but he's also a multiple millionaire. So he knew something else. Right. He figured something out. He figured out what was in his toolbox. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and to his death, I mean, I think it was officially listed as a heroin overdose, and they did find small amounts of heroin and, and marijuana in the uh, in the house, but they never found any uh, drug paraphernalia. In other words, he had a needle mark in his arm, but they found no needle. Mm-hmm. So, so could was this that, be a plant? <laughs> yeah, or could this be, um, you know, an, an assassination by a drug overdose? It's uh well Lenny Bruce died a similar way too. That so, uh, yeah, I mean it's just one more question mark in the life of Mr. Sonny Liston. He is uh I, I saw a great little YouTube thing about him where they called him the most unwanted champion in boxing history. But at the time of his death, he was still ranked as I think the number ten fighter in the world. He's gone down in history as being uh, the hardest hitting. That's up there with Tyson and, and Foreman and all these other bad boys that could just punish you. Um, Liston is absolutely a boxing legend. Uh, when he died, though, uh, his grave uh, underneath his uh, presumed date of birth and his presumed date of death, it just said, Sonny Liston, a man. That's a pretty good it's an epitaph, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Oh, man. That's on your headstone. Uh, also, by the way, just worth noting, the toxicology was too, um, 
uh, they, they couldn't determine what the cause of death actually was for him. So they just went with, a, oh, yeah, everyone knew he was on heroin. So it's like right. when a, a detective shows up having solved right. his own murder because he wrote it in his head on, on the way over. Yeah. <laughs> so tough breaks for that guy, man. What a story, though. What a friggin' story. Uh, if you guys enjoyed that one, which I hope you did, please feel free to check out our other back catalog. Specifically, maybe if you like this weird history of boxing and what a crazy thing that is. Um it's uh, uh, the History of Boxing episode, one of our very first we did here on this show. If you enjoy the show, please do me a favor. If you want to make the jump, guys, all right? We're doing great stuff over on the Patreon. People are really digging it. You get the exclusive episodes. Every month we give you three for free, and then the fourth one we just ask you to pay for. And if you join for just the $3 a month thing, that's less than a dollar a show, okay? And if you like jumping over and doing the five, I appreciate that too. You want to donate more because you enjoy the show? You want to make sure because let me tell you, now that we've seen the Bellworks over here, Dad, yeah. I think the rent's going up. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> cost, of, cost of production just increased. It is true. And uh, do me a favor, guys. I, I do have some stand-up dates coming up. Uh, this one's going to come out here next week, so it's probably going to be too late, but I'll be uh, headlining. Uh, it's uh, Battle River Brewing over in Tom's River. That's going to be a real fun one, man. Got a bunch of other shows coming up. I'll be over at clubs in uh, New Jersey in the area. Just found out my buddy Aaron Berg is going to bring me down to uh, Delaware Beach with him, so I'll be opening for him for that whole weekend. Uh, I'll plug those dates and more. I'm over on social media. Do me a favor, guys. At KP Burke sucks at Instagram. KP Burke over on Facebook. Uh, American Loser Podcast has an official page on both Instagram and Facebook as well. Check us out over there. Uh, Larry Burke, you're going to be installing a bay window in Red Bank next week, right? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to lift the load. <laughs> Check out some of his work, man. And the Patreon, like we said, guys, all of that money. We do not make a lot of money on this. The people who are there, you are our founding losers. You guys are diehards. We cannot do the show without you. It's a it's a fiscal impossibility. <laughs> That's it. Okay, because Ming likes me, but not enough to let me do this shit for free. <laughs> That's right. So all of the money goes into our production costs on this and helping to grow the show, and it means a lot to us. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Bridget Haftelin, uh, who did some graphic designs for us, and uh, we're going to actually be revealing those next week. She's doing a couple more for us. She has a uh, she has some Larry Burke merchandise that I think we're going to have to start selling. Oh my god! Yeah, you're an icon, guy. Wow. That's <laughs> but I'll say this: uh, it means a lot to us. If anything you do over on the Patreon really does help us to keep this bad boy rolling. If you can't do that, uh, help us out. Leave us a review over on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Tell somebody about the show. Share the posts on social media when I put them out. Check out our YouTube channel. I got a bunch of other stuff over there. And uh, not for nothing, uh, I think it's worth mentioning. I did have a little COVID clip kind of take off of a couple of jokes in my stand-up here. So when I say I do stand-up, guys, I'm not like uh, the Joker, okay? I'm actually pretty good at this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're trying to make the move full-time, man, if we can. But it means a lot to us. Your continued support is awesome. If this was your first episode, come on back. Check out the back catalog, man. We got something you're going to dig. We absolutely love history. I love doing the show with you. I love you, Ming Chen, all right? I do. I love you. I'll actually be at your guys' <laughs> show at the smod castle on sunday you guys are doing uh i sell comics right uh we are with special guest kevin smith uh -huh. yeah. well i got invited by uh scott scott Schaefo invited me down nice. you know uh it's a chuli's gum representative scott Schaefo. cancer <laughs> and, uh, merchant uh <laughs> scott Schaefo. all right well i'm gonna come down there and hang out with you guys then so that'll be a cool one um and uh i mean i'm sure i'll be lame about it if i wind up if let's say two kevin patrick's wind up meeting each other that day that'd be a pretty good day for me man but we'll see what happens lawrence patrick anything to say to the people on the way out uh, we're just thank you so much for your support and i hope you guys enjoyed uh, sunny liston means a lot to us man my name was kp burke but that was sunny liston american loser an american loser the day i was born American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born
can't lose her the day I was born. <laughs>